You're listening to the latest dose of Bipolar Recorder. This podcast may cause dizziness and blurred vision. Enjoy. Welcome back to Bipolar Recorder. My name is Hunter Keegan. Thank you so much for joining me today. One night last November, in the early days of Twitter spaces, my friend Paulina, a fellow mental health podcaster who lives with bipolar disorder, and myself, conducted an experiment. Twitter spaces are online audio chat rooms where people can come together and speak about all sorts of different topics. Paulina and I came up with the idea of conducting a podcast episode as other people listened in over a recorded Twitter space, and we thought we'd give it a shot. So we fired up some weed, got super high, and got online, and Paulina recorded the conversation on her laptop. After we recorded this, we sort of put it on the back burner for a few months, Then, a few days ago, Paulina and I were talking, and the topic came up again, so we decided to release it as an episode of Bipolar Recorder. You'll notice that my mic quality sounds a lot different in this episode. That's because since we were recording over Twitter spaces, I had to use my phone's mic to record. So, apologies in advance that my voice sounds extra compressed for this installment. This conversation is a pretty casual mental health chat between friends. We talk about music as a coping strategy, childhood experiences shaping adulthood, and the value of self-worth in relationships, as well as a bunch of other great stuff. As this recording starts out, Paulina had been playing music for the listeners in the space, and pulled up a couple of the tracks I've done with my band Last Known Images. So we start by listening to a couple of my songs, and then she asks me some follow-up questions about them as they relate to mental health. This one she pulls up is called Due North. Here's a quick clip from it. It was nice actually. Got some nice bass lines. Oh, yeah? yeah, I like it. You know, we... you. people will either get it or they won't. <laughs> They're like, Dah. I thought that that beat was fucking like I was feeling it. <laughs> They're like, this is coming in too strong. <sighs> All right, let's go. Let's go. We got Hunter in the space. He has bipolar, and he has a book that's called My Mind is Killing Me. And... Oh, it's called My Brain is Trying to Kill Me. Okay, My Brain is Trying to Kill Me. It's a really bad title, don't worry. I like it. Um, I feel it. Really? Yes, I, wow. my brain is fucking killing me, and people don't get it. They think I'm exaggerating, but it's true. Mm-hmm. 
At this point, Paulina pulls up another one of my songs. This one is called Drawing Water. Here's a quick clip from it. I was vibing, dude. Tell me about your music. It sounds really dark. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I guess my music is pretty dark. Um, those songs that you just played, um, the first one is called Due North, and the second one is called Drawing Water, and they're pretty influenced by uh, Nine Inch Nails and Tom York, respectively. So, both of those songs incorporate a lot of synthesizer type shit, um, but I'm not really like a trained keyboard player, so um, it took a lot of like trial and error and experimentation. So, um, that album, the EP that both of those songs are off of, the concept of it is kind of like basically reconnecting with the earth and getting your fucking mind blown so um yeah both of those songs are pretty cool I, I was pretty happy with how they turned out and the phantoms ep i think came together pretty nicely um i, I was pleased with how it turned out at the end of the day yeah it's like it's really dark i like i was like you know, relating to it, because that's like, and now, like, were you in some kind of uh, type of uh, cycle or state of depression or mania, because you do have bipolar, I mean, while you're writing music? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think that when I'm actually experiencing, like, a manic episode or a depressed episode, I don't really have the concentration for actually sitting down and recording. So when I'm actually, like, in my studio recording music, I'm usually in a very mentally healthy space. Um, music is very therapeutic for me. So when I'm making music, I'm usually feeling really good. But when I'm feeling down, you know, that creative spark is a lot harder to find. And when I'm feeling manic, I I guess I write a lot when I'm manic, but I, I don't record. And I'll also just mention really quickly that um, my last manic episode, like Full Bore Mania, was in 2015. So it's been a long time since I've been fully manic, um, but, you know, I've definitely had hypomania since then, but I just, just mentioning that to provide a little extra context. Sure. Yeah, that's a long time without being mania, the manic. I mean, congratulations. I mean, this, I mean, the music that you made here would probably be something I, I would make while I'm um, manic. 
when I start dissociating, oh, like when I get in that phase, I'm like, oh, it's just like all adrenaline. Yeah. Especially that Yeah, well, I, I definitely draw so much inspiration after the fact, like after a depressive episode. I have a whole lot that I want to write about it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I have a whole lot that I'm reflecting on and processing. Mm-hmm. So I take inspiration from those periods of depression, but when I'm actually depressed, you know, that's not a time when I'm actively writing stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, so, so like, yeah. Um, so we're just going to talk, you know, interview you just as if I don't know you. you know, your audience does not know you. You know, so like, yeah, 20, like, uh, Hunter, like, how old are you? I am 28 years old. I feel like an old man. And uh, when were you officially diagnosed? When I was 21. Do you have any other neurodivergence? Yeah, I do, actually. So in addition to bipolar, like, bipolar is my main diagnosis, but I've also had OCD, um, which I'm currently, like, in recovery or in remission from or whatever you want to call it, Um, but I have had problems with OCD, and I don't know, like, how true I think this is these days, but when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with ADHD, so I've got, I've got like, you know, a couple different things going on. Yeah. Uh, um, man, I feel like I have ADHD, but I think it's just bipolar. Like I just always zone in and out and can't concentrate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, being on, uh, medications like you and I take, you know, that impacts memory and concentration a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Like... I've been wondering, have you ever wondered if it's, like, your personality makes you weird or if it's bipolar that makes you weird? Yeah, I mean, that's, like, a question for the ages. I think that I'm a pretty weird person just in general, and the mental illness component is just, like, an extension of that, maybe. You don't come off as like, weird. I, I, I don't think, like, my my personality is my mental illness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. But then, like, I wonder, but then I'll have, you know, different quirks because of bipolar. Like, I, like I'll stutter, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, um, sometimes I actually will talk to myself, um, like, under my breath. Like, that's something that I do that I, I don't think... Um, maybe a neurotypical person would typically do i do that and it's like i think everyone does it <laughs> everyone talks yeah, to but themselves I'm, ta- I'm talking about like when i get like uh stressed or anxious um like i i'll find myself yeah just kind of talking to myself under my breath i don't know my my girlfriend thinks it's super weird so i guess that's why it stands out to me yeah yeah, I guess it's just this not really matter in the end what causes our different quirks and whatnot, you know. When you said in the end, I thought I assumed you meant when we die. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's a little dark, Paulina. But um, huh? yeah, I, I mean, you wouldn't have been wrong. What did I say? 
Um, you were like, in the end, it doesn't matter. Or something oh, like in the end, it doesn't matter. Oh, like, yeah. At the end of the day, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And I thought Nine you meant at nails. the end of your life. Nine Inch Nails. You know, I feel like I'm always in a staying state in a constant state of confusion because like i like yesterday i'm like yelling at getting an argument with my fucking troll again and uh -huh. i guess i said something and everyone was like what what'd you say here paulina is referring to trolls People online who are not the greatest, people who try to start shit, start fights, and she talks a little bit about what it's like interacting with other neurodivergent people on Twitter spaces when these trolls are around. And like the room stopped and then I got kicked out, I was like, what do you mean? What did I say? Like what? And they're like, why did I get kicked out? What did I say? Would I say something wrong? Like I don't know. I do that though. I guess like it happens a lot. They're like, what did you say? And I'll it it'll be something the way they word things. Like they take it the wrong, completely wrong way. Where I didn't mean like like that at all. Because I do get like very philosophical, but I don't mean it. And people is, are so literal sometimes, you know. Do you find yourself like overthinking what you're about to say or what you have said a lot? Like, do you dwell on, for example, what you were just talking about? Like, you weren't sure if you had said something wrong or if you had like offended somebody or something. Does that really like mess with you? I used to when I was like 20. You know, when I was a teenager, like, and a kid a lot, I used to, like, worry about, like, did I say the wrong thing? Did I, you know, offend someone? Am I in trouble? I was always worried about being in trouble or being bad. Yeah. Um, but I've come to learn that, you know, fuck it. And I don't even think anymore. I think too less now. Still overthink it. <laughs> yeah, just live your life. <laughs> Forget um... about it. I don't remember half the shit. I have this weird paranoia, um, and I notice it at my day job a lot, where I will be speaking to someone or, like, writing an email, and I get worried that I've subconsciously put, like, swear words in there, like, in, like, formal correspondence, and so I'll find myself, like, double or triple or quadruple checking emails that I write for like the words like fuck or shit or whatever um I, I don't know I just that kind of thing worries me I guess I, it's just this weird paranoid thought that I have why are you worried well I um and so in the example I was just using, you know, I don't want to be writing a, um, an email to, let's just say, like, the president of the company and accidentally put, like, this is fucking bullshit <laughs> in one of the sentences. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing. Like, it's something totally silly. Like, I would never actually do something like that. But the fact that it could hypothetically occur freaks me out. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess an email, no, that's, that's really, for me, I, I'm afraid because I don't like to feel embarrassed. So like, what feeling are you running away from when you are afraid to, you know, 
do the wrong thing or make a mistake. Do you still feel like I remember from my childhood, like that feeling when you get in trouble as a kid and it just feels like the entire world is crashing down around you because like your reality at that stage in your life, when you're like six or seven years old, like all you really know is the reality established by the adults around you. So Mm -hmm. like when you get in trouble for something as a kid, it, it feels like so much worse like, do you? Yeah. My question. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah. uh... Oh, yeah. I remember, like, being in trouble in art class. I was talking too much, and, like, the teacher made me put my head down on the desk, and I felt so embarrassed and ashamed of myself. And it's because, Uh like, I think it all comes down to, like, I wasn't secure as a child, you know, as a baby, you know, six months, you know, I was neglected. Like, Uh yeah, I think it just comes down to that, being hardwired into our brains that we're not safe and we're not secure. And then we will feel, you know, if we're being neglected or ignored or any type of disturbance, then I feel like I'm not good enough that that when Uh I, and then now even as an adult, I get into those patterns where I'm like, how why won't you love me you know like i do everything for you and why can't you why can't you just why won't you love me like i'm always like desperately like starving for that i mean i experienced for that like recently it was just like you know this person like online i just felt like he was always yelling at me and i'm like why can't you like ever pay attention or like i'm trying to show you that i do care about you and he's always talking about how like no one cares about him and like He's always alone. I'm like, well, I I care about you. I care about you. And then finally, like last week, I just deleted him because I'm like, I invited him to my shows and telling him what I'm doing. And I get no response. And I just don't think that's fair. It's not a two-way friendship. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm glad that I just kind of nipped in the bud real quick. And instead of being friends for months on end, you know. <laughs> and Did always... You, uh... Did you have a lot of friends when you were a kid? No. No friends. How about you? Did you have friends? Um, yeah, I did, but I was always, like, the outcast of the group. You know, I was, like, the friend who no one liked, you know? Um, I had a circle of maybe, like, five other kids who I would hang out with, and... Like, you know, they were funny, you know, we would, like, laugh and joke and have fun and shit, but, um, you know, they weren't, like, true friends, and I I didn't really start having, like, true friends, like, real friends until I was probably, like, in high school and understood more about myself and, like, what I value in people and, like, what friendship is and should be and can be. Um, but yeah, like when I was in elementary school and stuff, I was like a total class clown, like always looking for attention and shit in a, um, not appropriate way. Um, so I was always kind of an outsider. Yeah, I just straight up didn't have any friends at all. My friends were like Data and on, um, Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I was too much of a weirdo kid. Like I would... I remember having friendships and relationships with people with narcissistic, you know, personality disorder or, or people are like kind of on that spectrum since I was a child. I'm thinking back, I'm realizing on it now too. Like my mom is, a, you know, has NPD and my dad too. I can never make them happy and never like, you know, whatever 
they would ne they never said I love you, never once hugged me, and I was always like trying to get their attention. And then I would, even at you know the age of six, you know this, I wouldn't ever, I'd never like approach other people or the girls that, you know, did want to be friends would always approach me first. And I remember one that like pulled like my shirt down to my like shoulders. And because I didn't like, I and she said you have to be sexy, and I was like, what? I thought that was weird, and because we were like six years old, I'm like, yeah. I don't like showing skin, like do not. I thought it was like kind of fucking weird, you know. It's just stuff yeah. like that. Like this is a weird kid, and then like, and then I there's this other girl. Uh, she shared her nerds with me, and told her brother that the nerds candy, the fucking nerds controversy. This is the nerds controversy of the century. She shared her pink ones for me, and then she got the purple nerds. And then she said that I ate all the nerds. <laughs> told her brother, and then her brother sent, like, she sent her brother after me and everything. And this is when I'm seven years old. These freaking little ass sociopaths have been attracted to me since I was little. Because I'm quiet and I'm nice. And then another psychopath, when I was at 12, this girl, um, all of a sudden slapped me in the face. And wrote like my name on my dad's car with keyed it, a can to oh. a brand new Toyota Camry, with her car key, out of nowhere. We were just like hanging out. All of a sudden, she fucking slapped me in the fucking face, and then she started wow. like, yeah, like you know, it is escalated, and, like, and then oh, I, you know, got in a relationship. I was 18 with the guy who's like a fucking sociopath, you know. Paulina starts talking a little bit more about Narcissistic Personality Disorder, also known as NPD. It's just like, I, I, like now that I recognize that, like I recognize what I learned what N NPD is after my last relationship, and now that I know what it is, I am so happy right now. Like I met someone, like I think I'm like I pretty much you know I'm falling in love. And I never thought like you know I would ever ever be able to forgive myself to allow myself to have been like you know abused so much in the past, and but now I know like what my worth is. Like I'm so proud of myself. It is so gracious to like be able to like have this relationship with someone who I think is my equal and he's pretty amazing. <laughs> and I know you talk about your girlfriend a lot like well, let me hear how you guys met. Yeah so we actually as a matter of fact we met in a depression and bipolar support group um, and we actually met each other virtually first because everything was online because of covid they weren't doing in-person meetings so i found the information for like this local dbsa chapter depression bipolar support alliance chapter and i got connected with them and i started doing these online meetings like once or twice a week and uh i just saw this beautiful woman on the screen and I was like immediately kind of interested in her and um, so we started DMing each other mm. and like got each other's phone number and shit and it kind of just evolved from there Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
Wait, so you yeah, guys live in different states? Weird. Did you guys live in different different states? No, no. Um, we're uh, we're local to each other. It's a um, so these different chapters, these DBSA chapters, are like organized by region. So we met in one of the Northern Virginia. Oh. Chapters. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so, like, we're from, like, the same town and shit. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they were just doing the meetings virtually for safety. It, it wasn't because people were, like, spread out geographically. The chances of that happening. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. And, um, you know, for so long, I think bipolar had a lot to do with it but i always had like very temperamental relationships with people and they never lasted long um but i mean my my girlfriend and i have been together for over a year now and it's been like really happy and stable so it's it's just been great yeah i've been wondering like whether or not i wanted to like you know if i would be able to have like a serious relationship with someone who also had this like a serious neurodivergence, like, would I be able to handle someone else's bipolar? Because we're, we're fucking extra. Yeah, I mean, I've been stable for a really long time now, so most of my symptoms are pretty under control. So I'm able to provide a lot of support um, to her. Uh, she has major depression. So, um, you know, like, I, I've always been there to support her with that because she's you know been having kind of a rough go of things over over the last year or so um with depression but um i've always been able to support her and i've never felt like it's been like an energy drain or anything because we're in love with each other and we want to support each other and be there for each other so yeah that's cool at this point in the conversation Paulina shares some of her own stories, this time about long-distance relationships and relationships that she's created using online outlets, such as Twitter. Like, yeah, I met this guy, like, uh, it's through space, like, on spaces, you know. Yeah, I like to hop around and whatever, and he showed up at, like, um, one of the smaller spaces where there's like four people and like guys do that you know because i'm kind of like hot commodity <laughs> and like they'll go into a smaller space and they're like you know i'm gonna get my chance to have some bonding and i was like i didn't get that vibe from him i seriously thought that he was just in a small room just to like um talk to some people i guess <laughs> but he was like really quiet and like me and these other people are like in the back DM each other like oh my god his voice is like so sexy <laughs> oh my god he has like the sexiest voice and I'm like so I'm asking him questions I'm like uh so uh what's your favorite food because I'm like you know if you talk about food at all it just sounds so sexy <laughs> and he's like he's like bento box <laughs> like I'm like what kind of bento box but you're liking it. He's like, yeah, you know, a bit of a bit of fish. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And that's how the magic. That's how that electricity oh. gets started. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, we had like a foursome, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> you know, because oh like other people in the room, you know, we were just like damn each other. It's so fucking hilarious. So anyways, anyways, like, 
I think I DM'd about something about music or whatever. I was like, yeah, I'll DM you this blah 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 later. Oh, I told him I was gonna DM the name of a guy, my friend that plays music on the Metaverse too, and so then that's how we started talking. Um, I don't know, like we just immediately like clicked, you know, like we just like yeah. had things in common. And he has like OCD. Um, okay. I didn't know that because I thought he was just being like really aloof. Like he just was so aloof, like he couldn't get it that he was that I was flirting with him yeah he was he was just like and I was like oh and he would like disappear like all, all of a sudden I wouldn't hear back from him for until hours I was like oh he has OCD like he's on schedule you know he has to keep yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that sucks though that OCD can impact your social functioning like that so much I mean I've been there with OCD right um, it's a sucky situation, you know? Yeah. You'd have to, like, have a, a partner who is, like, um, patient and who's not going to jump the gun and be like, oh, why didn't you text me back, you know, like, right away? Like, were you, like, uh, don't like me? Or were you, like, uh, you know, are you cheating on me? Like, yeah. Um, I don't harp on people, you know, other, for the quirks, you know. If someone's... I mean, like, this whole relationship with him, like, he's across the planet right now. He's across the globe, <laughs> basically, you know. Okay. But, like, we don't really even talk that often. He goes around in spaces when he does have, you know, free time. And he plays um, music live. Um, and he'll cool. pop into my... Usually when I have a space, he'll come into my space, too. And that's kind of the way we are actually spending time to, with each other. <laughs> it's like, when we're actually just working. So I'm like, oh, he's so... In, my, in a way, we've gone on, like, you know, 20 dates where he's serenading me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So this is all, like, a long-distance thing right now? Yes, I think so. It's just something that okay. I feel like has um, worked out organically. You know, I wasn't looking for it. Yeah. I just saw someone who I thought that I would vibe with. Um, He's hot. But I'm just kidding. It's just like, it. it it's, no, it's just like, I, I, yeah, I think we would make a good couple. <laughs> He's also very like That's focused awesome. and like very focused and realistic and all this stuff. And like, when I was like, I was like, so will you be my sweetie? And he was like, hmm, what does that mean? <laughs> you are crushing hard on this guy, man. I know. He's like, hmm, what does that mean? And I was like, yes, no, or maybe. And he said, maybe. <laughs> I think he really likes me too. Like when I, after, like we just met, like the first time when we talked in DMs for like only like two minutes, he said that he had a premonition that he should talk to me. And like, oh, he's feeling on me too if he's saying stuff like that. And we had a like, yeah. so we we're having it. This like, this is the way that we. I think like the metaverse and reality meld together. For the audience, can you can you explain what the metaverse is? Okay, the metaverse is kind of like you know the internet, but it's like kind of like a revamp of the of the internet, or we're making it more, you know, integrated to real life. Like being able to play video games together is more like immersed like it's the old internet it's like you know you go in chat room and you type the words and ever whatever but like but right now i'm streaming live through um the twitter spaces 
but I'm also actually to pull in Hunter, who lives in a completely different state, to be in the same location with me, which is called the Metaverse. So Hunter and I are in the Metaverse right now. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, trippy, right? and the and the Metaverse coexists with real life because, uh, but Hunter is recording this and you know playing this for uh, as a podcast on Spotify and that's in real life. So we are actually, uh, in real life and also in the Metaverse, at the same time. Whoa. Blowing your fucking mind, right, Jabber Jims? Yeah, this one ETH. This is I why this that. is worth one ETH. And when yeah, ETH means uh, Ethereum, which is a cryptocurrency, which is a, worth about four thousand dollars. Yeah. I and more Ethereum. and NFTs cost a lot because, like you know, gas money is about one hundred thirty. You know, that's why NFTs cost a lot. A lot. It's an investment. It's putting worth towards. Like artists are finally feeling worth it, and getting our worth. Yeah, NFTs are a really, really interesting new way of distributing art and um, for artists to actually make money off of their art. NFTs are definitely like a very interesting advancement in that area. I've just been recently getting into them because um, Paulina actually kind of turned me on to this in the first place um, because she was always posting stuff on Twitter about NFTs and like creating them and shit. And I, I became curious about it. Um, so I actually started making NFTs and I've only sold one of them so far, but I sold it for like 40 bucks and that'll help cover the web hosting costs for bipolar recorder for the next month. So like that's dope that helps me independently finance creative projects and stuff like it's it's very it's very cool shit like it's still kind of esoteric right now but um it's it's popping at the same time yeah i mean if you had your podcast uh monetized to even make ten dollars will take like months yeah yeah it would I mean, it does take money and time to, uh, you know, produce a, a podcast. I think that, like, if you're helping people with a podcast, like, and you're doing better, then, like, you know, who you know who cares if they're taking money from um, ad space? Because, like, it's the same as if they were taking money from a, a donor. You know, you got to yeah. pay for fees and shit. And quit you make it. a very, very solid argument. <laughs> yeah, I try to look at off like maybe it's I, taking maybe so so much CBT, like not CBD but CBT therapy for Cognitive me to yeah therapy. I've yeah I've had to like switch my brain and uh, to be more optimistic and not focus on bad things. Like that's the whole inspiration for the wakey bakey uh, galaxy metaverse. You know, is that like I want to get people together and like want to be a safe space where people can have one-on-one -on -one conversations and because uh, i'm feeling a little like tensity from the nft creators and people are just like fucking like <laughs> stabbing each other in the back and like throwing each other in the rug which you could easily do and there's a lot of mistrust that's going on so i want people just to come back together again yeah the uh, social media space can get pretty toxic pretty quickly it's still better than Instagram, though. 
<laughs> I never used Insta. I I never got the appeal of Instagram, and I, I think I dodged a bullet there. Yeah, I like Instagram because it doesn't have words, and maybe I just want to look at stuff, like, you know, photography. I use it for my podcast. You know, people do write me from there only because I don't, you know, I don't want to use uh, Facebook. I don't want to, you know, turn my Twitter into another podcast thing. And yeah, so I do have like some people that are right there. And sometimes I just don't want to write. <laughs> it just gets heavy. I'm like, okay, like, thanks for listening. But yeah. <laughs> Um, have you had people reach out to you? Like, how many people have you had um, who have reached out to you like that after listening to your podcast? I don't know, like five or so, or you know, but yeah. no, no, I don't know, five, six, seven. I have no idea, and more, probably more than that. But like, um, but they like add me, and the, at least through my Instagram, they, they can find me. But not everyone has like wrote a, a letter. Or anything but usually like usually they they reach out to me after they've listened to one or two episodes because it gets pretty heavy <laughs> and sometimes yeah. like yeah people can relate to me i guess and then because i'm like I, I put it all out there i'm very honest and so, so that's probably why they're writing to me yeah how does that make you feel when people reach out to you like that do you get stoked about it or is it a little like sensitive or whatever mm -hmm. I feel nice when they're like, hey, um, you're doing great. Like, some people are, like, worried about me and great. But usually it's, like, um, it's a fan letter, basically. Like, I don't want to turn anybody off from, like, reaching out to someone that's you know, has a podcast. But, like, um, yeah. it, even if I – if let's say I had this podcast that wasn't about mental illness. Like, you know, I do here on Spaces. You know, I do have some – there's a following – I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm egotistical, but there is an actual following uh, of, of, for, I guess, me, I guess. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like, so like, yeah, when people write fan letters and it gets a little bit overwhelming, you know, it's a, like you reel it back in, like some people cross boundaries, you know, and they'll find yeah. information about me that, um, that I, I did not release or they, you know, find people that know me and like, cause I, you know, I'm speaking, I know they feel like they know me, but I don't know you, like, you're an audience yes. I, I don't have any contact with. Yeah, they feel like they're my, they're my buddy, and I'm like, it just gets get a little bit scary. Exactly. Well, because people listen to hours and hours of you talking, so, um, and I do this exact same thing with other podcasts that I'm personally, like, really into and really invested in. You listen to one end of a conversation so much that you, you feel like you know that person so well and that um, you've got this mutual understanding of some kind, but they've never heard the other end. They've never heard your side and you are meeting them for the first time. You're interacting with them for the first time. So you've got to be a little bit respectful of boundaries. Like you were saying, um, you don't want to, um, I don't like the phrase trauma dumping, but mm -hmm. I can't think of like a better way to put it right now. <laughs> yeah. um, 
um, do you know what? Do you know what I mean? Though? Yes. Um, that was what okay. I was trying to not say, but like was like, yeah, it gets a little bit overwhelming. You know, not just of like you're so great, Paulina, but like, oh, I really like you, blah 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 blah, and this is what happened to me too, blah 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 blah. blah. I'm like, oh my god, like I don't know you, like please, please, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I like reading reviews and stuff um, of books that I've written or podcasts that I've done. Anyhow, yeah, I think it's really cool when people reach out. Um, a lot of people reached out to me after I released my memoir, actually, because they were interested in the self-publishing process and, I guess, how to do similar things. Like, I've had a number of people reach out to me over the last year and a half um, asking me, for feedback and advice on uh, their own manuscripts that they're working on and stuff, which is like super humbling and cool that people do that. Um, and I, I always try to respond to those people when I can. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, it's cool, man. Um, I like that kind of thing. I, I like it yeah. when someone's like, hey, it's cool that you shared this. Now I would like to share something with you. Like, that's dope. I love that. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it, this has not happened to me, but if I were to get, like, an email from someone being like, hey, like, I'm about to end it. Like, I'm about to kill myself. Yeah. Like, what do I do? Like, blah 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 you know um that that's uncomfortable um that that's just me personally um, right but yeah that would that would not make me feel uncomfortable i mean i'd be fine with that but like i can see where people are like what am i supposed to do this is a big responsibility on me yeah um I was talking to James Edgar Sky, who is an author, and he has his own podcast called The Bipolar Writer Podcast. <coughs> and, excuse me. And anyhow, um, so James Edgar Sky is a mental health advocate, and he's, you know, he does a lot of writing and stuff, and he has survived two suicide, I think two suicide attempts and he has actually said to me on this podcast as a matter of fact that he's okay with people reaching out like that but he he told me something really important during that episode which was like if you're uncomfortable with it at all do not try to get involved because you might do a lot more harm than good um but I guess, like, he's cool with it. Um, I guess he's been there, and he, he he likes helping other people or something. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for him. But um, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, yeah, some people are cool with it. Some people are kind of not cool with it. It's just a matter of what each individual's level of comfort zone is, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, um... What else should we talk about? <laughs> um, you were talking to me in a DM about being bipolar in college. Yeah, it was hard, you know, because it's a lot of work and that's stressful. Reading is very hard. 
how, I mean, was it difficult for you? I think it was the hardest thing I've, I've ever done. Um, college was actually not super difficult for me. Um, I went to Penn State, and I've always done very well academically. So in the classroom, I did great. But um, outside of class, I, I was going through some pretty real shit, and I was getting involved in some pretty real drugs and pretty real alcohol abuse and, and stuff like that. And um, that was what made college challenging, was just the emotional toll that that kind of activity was taking. And um, yeah, like balancing classes and stuff, I think that actually helped um, that I had kind of a rigorous academic schedule because it kept my days more structured um but at the same time like when you're in college there's so much opportunity for free time and you can kind of do with it as you please you know some people are actually productive and get like jobs and shit so they can make some money other people use that time like I did to party and <laughs> destroy brain cells um, but college was fucking wild for me, dude. When I think back on it, it, it was such a complicated time in my life. I knew so many interesting people and was involved in so many weird situations and stuff. It, it was a real trip. So what helped you um, with getting through with college? I think that I got lucky because I didn't start having really severe bipolar symptoms until like my last semester of college. And during that last semester, I was really hypomanic, but it actually helped because it, I was like obsessed with my studies. Like I got really, really obsessed with this um, subfield of psychology called emotional intelligence. And I, um, I like killed that class because I was so into the research and stuff. So I got lucky because just a couple of weeks after I graduated, I encountered like this crazy manic episode, like full bore manic episode where I was like hearing voices and seeing things and shit for like five months. And if that had happened once, while I was in school, I would have probably had to have, like, dropped out or something, you know? Yeah, I I had went manic, like, my last, you know, semester, but I made it, I made it, yeah. Uh, so we're reaching the top of the hour here, it's been about an hour, um, I want to go ahead and just go ahead and wrap up this, uh, interview here, and, uh, I actually gotta get some, uh, some, uh, some fluid in me. And I'm gonna rest. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Paulina ended the show on a great note eating and getting rest two staples of any healthy mental lifestyle. Like I said in the intro, this episode was originally recorded in November 2021, 
Some things have changed since then, but the Twitter space mental health community is still going strong. Be sure to follow at Bipolar Recorder on Twitter so you can join one of our audio chats next time they're open. Although this particular episode of Bipolar Recorder was recorded over Twitter spaces, the hashtag mental health chill zones that I host are not recorded and not an interview format like this podcast is. Rather, they are casual dialogues between peers and the mental health community where we offer each other support and camaraderie. I usually host about two to four hashtag mental health chill zone Twitter spaces each week. Since my day job keeps me busy, there's not a set schedule for them right now. Just be sure to keep an eye on the at Bipolar Recorder Twitter account to see when they're open. I usually host them on weekday nights between about 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Paulina hosts a mental health podcast of her own called I Fucking Have Bipolar. Be sure to check that out to hear more about her story and insights. Paulina is also on Twitter and Instagram at Paulina444. I am on Twitter at HHKeegan. And again, Bipolar Recorder is on Twitter at Bipolar Recorder. Have you been enjoying the show? Be sure to tell your friends about it, share it on social media, and if you're like me and enjoy unique merch, you can visit my website, hhkeegan.com, the show website, bipolarrecorder.com, or our Patreon page to get cool exclusive merchandise to show your support for mental health awareness. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day, evening, or night, wherever you are. Bipolar Recorder is a listener-supported show. To help keep the show running, consider checking out our Patreon page or visiting BipolarRecorder.com. Unless otherwise stated, the hosts and guests on Bipolar Recorder are not licensed mental health professionals. Bipolar Recorder is not a substitute for therapy or professional medical intervention. If you are having a mental health crisis, please contact your local emergency services.